seated. Thank you. We would love for you all to be a part of that. There's an RSVP on there, and uh, we want everybody to be involved if you want to be. Just want to share what God's doing and what His plans are for us as a church. And so we're excited about that day, but we have a lot more going on, as you know, before that time. Today, after the service, we had scheduled to do a prayer ride. Yesterday, we did a memorial ride for the young man who lost his life here in Tucson on his bike uh, a week and a half ago. And I'm thankful for everybody that volunteered and made that happen, and Ross and the team uh, full throttle to lead that. And Rick and the guys that uh, served here and the ladies that helped us out there, thank you so much. Today we had scheduled a a prayer ride to go and uh, pray over one of the motorcycle shop owners here in Tucson. Excuse me, Big John uh, is fighting cancer, and he's not doing well. And uh, he asked that we would not come today due to some physical issues and challenges. So all we're going to do here today as far as after the service, we're full throttle. Anyone that wants to be a part of that, we're just going to assemble together. I think uh, that's our heater. Sorry. I don't know why that, hopefully that's a fan, not the heater running. Uh, We're going to assemble together out here and we're going to pray for a big John before we leave. So um, is Ross over here somewhere? I don't know where he's at, but there he is. Hey, Ross, uh, we just maybe assemble out there in the courtyard. Would that work right now? So after the service, we'll just assemble out here in the courtyard, and we'll have a prayer time for Big John and those that are in need. We want to do that, so if you actually would like for um, the full throttle to come and do a prayer ride for you, uh, we'd be happy to come to the missions, either one of the places, and pray over the properties and with the people that are there. That's part of what the ministry is all about, is reaching out in the love of Christ to pray over and with people and asking God to move. So if you'd like that, you can email us and let us know. And we'd love to do that for you, friends, family, other places. One of the things that we did do, uh, we've been doing, we've done prayer rides for several years. I think the first one was 2009. Our very first prayer ride we ever did was to Sedona, Arizona. And God was in that. We did a few years and built relationships. It's a God thing. And we did it for Village Church before they started their church out here in Red Rock. And God allowed us to pray over them and the properties and the community. And now they're, uh, believe it or not, they're three years old as a church out there in Red Rock. And uh, from Red Rock, we also joined them and we went over to Gladden Farms out there. And uh, it was such a cool God thing. And I'm sharing this with you because how amazing God is when we give ourselves to him. We went and God opened the door for us. It was a brand new school. They just built an elementary school in Gladden Farms out here. That's on the west of I-10, um, kind of out behind Marana and all that. We were able to go into that school, public school, pray over the entire property, every single classroom, every single office, everything in there. They opened it up for us. We went into that school and had a worship night and prayed over that place and asked God to open the door. Today is the very first service that is started in Resurrection Life Church is now starting their very first service today in Gladden Farms in that very school and a church has started in that community. Yeah. That is so cool. They, uh, yeah, we're very excited for uh, Pastor Mike and Shalom uh, as they're starting that church over there. And, uh, you know, we're praying for other places for God to move. I believe the Spirit of God is moving. And I uh, felt a long time ago that God was moving in the state of Arizona. It's not just here, but I just felt like God was moving through this place and up the I-10 corridor. And we're just believing God's going to just just continue to spread his influence through his people and make an impact on this state that will spread way beyond anything we can ever imagine. God is so good and he is moving. He's amazing. I want to be a part of whatever God's doing. You know, that's what I want to be a part of. I don't care what people are doing. I don't care about political parties are doing. I care about what God's doing. I want to be on the front lines of that church and we need to. Okay, we're not a perfect church. We know that. 
but we've come to understand who perfection is, and that's Christ, and that he has allowed us to wear the robe of righteousness that he himself purchased for us and made us righteous in the eyes of God through a simple prayer of asking forgiveness. (laughs) Is that crazy or what, man? God's incredible. He loves us, and he's asked us to be that light in this world, and we're going to talk about that today, okay? Did you spend at least five minutes a day, five days in this past week, reading or listening to God's word? If you did, say yes. Yes. Did you share God's story with someone this week? Yes. Did you spend some time alone with him with no agenda? Yes. Do you know what the Holy Spirit is saying to you? Yes. Good job. Thanks for keeping it strong. Are you giving to God as he has asked you to give? That's time, talents, and resources, not one of the above. He's just not asking you to pay him off or do something for him. He's asking for us to be all in. Are you doing that? Yes. Did you invite someone to church with you this week? Yes. That sounds like my front row section here that's loud all did it, but I didn't hear a lot back there. I'm just saying. <laughs> Have you been praying and working on your 2019 goal of each one reach one and teach one? Yes. Good job. Good morning, Jimmy and Jennifer. I love you. Last week we looked at, I love everybody, but I just want to say he's a special guy in my life right there. He's awesome. Um, last week we were looking at, sorry about that. Everybody knows here I got some issues, you know, like this, there's a lot going on up here. So uh, <laughs> that's Jimmy Johnson on the front row. <laughs> anyway, and he's just getting here. Anyway, we're going to talk about <laughs> Yeah, I'm glad. You can come anytime you want to. Just show up. Let's talk about what God wants to talk about, not Dave. All right, so last Sunday we were talking about Jesus and this God moment. Did you experience a God moment in worship today? Yes. Isn't it great when you can, like, you feel the presence of God and you, you know that he's with you and you're with the body of Christ? This is one of the things that we do as we assemble as a church. Um, God promises in the book of Revelation, Jesus was saying, I'll be with the church when it assembles. There's a special presence of Jesus you can't get anywhere else outside of church. He's always with us. The Holy Spirit's in us. I'm saying when the body of Christ comes together, there's a special presence. It says so in the word of God. So as we worship, we feel the presence of God. It's when we enter into worship, and I'm talking about me, when I enter into the worship with God, the things of the world disappear. They're no longer owning me, consuming my mind. They're not drawing on me. I'm not thinking about what I need to do or not do or the things I need to get done. Uh, All I'm doing is I'm with God. And that's what sets us free. And as we're in that moment of God moments, it's incredible, awesome stuff. But we don't live there. And that's what we were talking about last Sunday. We were talking about Jesus and and his baptism. The baptism of the Holy Spirit falls on him. It's a God moment. God speaks from heaven. It's this amazing encounter with God. And immediately after that, he's led into the wilderness by the Spirit for 40 days of fasting and temptation by the enemy. And so, church, as we were talking about that last Sunday, we were saying we have those God moments, but the majority of our life are, is lived in a, in a battle with temptation and sin. The, the majority of our life is there. The, the few in, in moments of kingdom on earth stuff with God, like we experience somewhat in worship when we're saved, different moments where God just shows up on us wherever we are and we know it, those things are few and far between. And the, the majority of our life, we are at war against sin, fighting against temptation and living to the glory of God. That's our call. So when we leave church, those of you that are in the mission, you know there's a day you're going to leave the mission. Some of you are leaving. Some have already left. Some are going to be going. You're going to have to step out of that environment into the real world, so to speak, and you're going to have to deal with junk, right? Right. 
You know it. And you've got to make right choices there. And we've got to fight temptation through the power of the Spirit to live free. And we are free. We no longer have to go back to live that life. Church, those of you that are not in the mission, you fight the same battle. You just don't recognize it. That's the exact same thing. And it's the same thing Jesus was dealing with when he was in the wilderness. It was the opportunity to not do the right thing. That's what it was. It's called temptation and trying to disrupt everything God has planned. And that's what's happening in our life. And the majority of our Christian life is lived in that frame with intermittent, uh, sporadic God moments where it's like, yeah, that's awesome. God's real. This is neat. This is where I want to live. We will someday, but not here. Okay, so that's the way it is. So when we encounter the spirit-led life in the Bible, we saw that it was the first thing we see in the spirit-led life is challenge. Then we went into the Pentecost chapter 2 of Acts, and we see the church at, at work there. And we see the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We see an incredible move of God. 3,000 people saved in one day. The baptisms that are taking place, the church is blessed. People are growing in their faith. The church is growing. They're living together, life outside the church, having dinners together. It's the end of Acts 2. If you read there in verse 42 on to the rest of the chapter, it talks about the fact that the church met together in the temple courtyards where everyone came together for worship. They assembled as the church. Then as they left the colonnade or that section of the courtyard of the temple, they went back home and they met together talking about Jesus, teaching about what it meant to follow Christ, sharing meals together, live in faith. That's what it was all that was going on. And the people in the community saw what was happening and they knew, listen to me, the people in the community knew a move of God was happening. They knew something was up by how their neighbors had changed, how lives were changed and how they were being impacted. And so those people began to invite those people over for dinner and to share in the conversations. And so people were being added to the church. They were being saved out there in the world and then coming back together on the assembly times at the, at the uh, courtyard in the temple and the church was growing in mass. So 3,001 saved at a revival service, so to speak. Now it's happening one-on-one. -on -one. Homes and people are being saved and the church is growing. Things are happening. Then we looked at Acts 3 and 4 where Peter and John are going to the temple. God gets healed cripple man's running around shouting everybody gathers together they're amazed that this dude's well and as they heal him everybody is knowing something's up we're going to read about this this week in acts chapter 4 starting at verse 1 as they were speaking to the people the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the sadducees came up to them being greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in jesus the resurrection from the dead and they laid hands on them and put them in jail until the next day for it was already evening but many of those who had heard the message believed and the number of the men and women came, I'm sorry, the number of the men came to be about 5,000. Okay, so what's happened here, what we didn't read to you in Acts 3 was that healing. Everyone comes together in the moment of the healing and everybody's euphoric. Wow, there's a miracle happened. Peter preaches Jesus, right? Now, a whole lot more people are being saved and they're accepting Christ. They're saying, this is real. I see it. Now we can't even number the, the women and children, we're only going to count the guys that come into the, the assembly. So think about this in the temple courtyard. So here's the temple of God where they're practicing the Old Testament law. That's where the priests and the Sadducees and the hierarchy was at. The common people like us couldn't go in the temple. We could only meet in the courtyard. So now 
They're coming together as the church, and there's between eight and 12,000 people assembled in the courtyard of the temple. Think about it. That's crazy. You don't think people knew something was going on? Yeah, something was happening. And those of you that don't think big churches are okay, just read the Bible, man. Right there was between eight and 12,000 in one place. It's not about me and my comfort level. It's about more people knowing Jesus. That's what it's all about. So I'm looking at this and I'm saying, God, what is going on? What is happening? The apostles, when they're in this moment, check it out. All the people are in front of them. And what are they telling everybody? They're not proclaiming the ability that they have to heal people. They're not saying, hey, we can throw out demons. You ought to see what else we can do. Come to this service we're going to do on Thursday night at 7. Church, think about it. You know what they were doing? The, the leaders come up on them, and what are they doing? They're talking about Jesus. They're not even talking about the guy that was healed. Amen. You know why? It wasn't about him. Amen. The healing wasn't even about him. It was about Jesus. Amen. Man, we, we got that messed up, don't we? Man, if, if somebody got healed today, we'd be all talking about the healing. We'd be talking about the church. Who prayed that prayer when that person was healed? And we wouldn't even be talking about Jesus. That's what's wrong with the church today. It's all about Jesus, and we've lost sight of that, and we've made it about everything else. And we're looking at what is the Word of God telling us in this place. God is calling us together so that we would teach people about Jesus. That's what we're supposed to do. So we have already seen a pattern developing in the very early stages of the church when it is born here in Acts. We find the Spirit of God empowering people in the upper room. Remember this, Pentecost, Acts 2, beginning in verse 1, reading through verse 4. Here's what's happening. The church is praying. They're waiting for God's promise. Jesus said he would come. Holy Spirit falls. What happens to him in that upper room? It tells us in the Word of God that fire fell from heaven. And it split apart and it hung right, hovered right over their head. All right? Now that's pretty freaky right there. I mean, Seriously. That's some crazy stuff. I've never heard of that happening anywhere else. But it was a symbol. Remember when Jesus was baptized and the dove came down? God had already told John the Baptist, when you see that dove coming down, that's the one. It came. John the Baptist is saying, there's one coming after me who's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. So what happens? They're praying there and the Holy Spirit just comes, falls on them as fire. There's a great sound of rushing wind that happens at the same time. People in Jerusalem hear the sound of wind and they run outside like, what is happening? And you know who meets them? The people that were in the upper room and they come running out into the streets. Why? Because the Spirit of God has empowered them to leave that building and go out to the people and let them know who Jesus was. So when Peter's preaching, when you read down through Acts chapter 2, he's not saying, let me tell you what just happened. Fire was in the upper room. We all started talking in other languages. The wind of God came. This is the front. No. You know what he did? He said, what's happening right now is what we were told would happen by the prophet Joel, that God would pour out his spirit on us. And I want you to know why. Because it was Jesus who came as the Messiah, who was crucified and resurrected. And he is Lord and Savior of all. Church. He preached Jesus to them. There was no talking about the fire. No talking about what they were doing. It was what God was doing. It was all about Jesus. Again, man, what happened to us, church? What happened to us? All we talk about is the side effects. 
Seriously, I'm not saying that disrespectful of the work of the Spirit of God. I'm saying we glorify in the, the, the side things and we don't glorify Christ. And we've lost the, the whole focus of the fact that these things happen for the purpose of Jesus. Okay, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Please hear this when we look at the scriptures and what the Bible tells us. It says on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people were saved and baptized, right? Then we read there in uh, Acts 4, 5,000 men. The next time they give a number, they were saying, you know, they couldn't even count. It was just such a mass movement of God that they couldn't even count. They're like, they're like the clickers aren't working no more. We don't have no turnstiles. We can't add that high. We're just saying there's, there's, there's people coming to Jesus. Okay, but let me counter that and say this. It never says anything about the numbers of people being saved, released from demons, or any of that. There's no numbers. It just says it happened. Why? Because it's not about that. It's about souls. It's about Jesus. It's about lives being changed for the spiritual good and glory of the Father. That's what it's about. And those are the numbers that matter to God. Okay, it doesn't matter what numbers we think are important. Those are the numbers that matter to God. So here we go. As we're looking at this, we want to look that Jesus is telling the church and the followers, his followers, something of great significance that we need to see in Acts chapter 1. Before all this happens, we've already seen in the last two weeks, we were reading about John 14, 15, and 16, what Jesus himself said the Holy Spirit would do, right? Okay, so now this is 40 days after his resurrection. So he died on the cross on Friday, rose on Sunday. He's 40 days later. He's on the mountain. He's been meeting with the disciples periodically. And here he is with everyone there around him. And this is what's going on. Acts chapter one, verse six. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Where's their mind? Listen to what they're saying to him. They kept asking him, Lord, is it time that we can overthrow the Romans, that we can sit in authority, and that we're the world power? Is it that time? You know how our mind is always on the here and now and fix what's going on, make my life comfortable, and let us rule? That's where they were at. Is it time, Lord? Let's do this. Let's let's have a revolt, and let's reign supreme. And they kept asking him, So what did Jesus tell him? Church, maybe we ought to listen to this part. He replied, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. Maybe we should underline that. Maybe we should stop thinking about what God's going to do and start working at what He wants to do. And what he wants to do is save the lost. Stop worrying about the end of the kingdom. And when Christ is going to return, he's going to. He's coming. Don't deny that. I'm not saying that. He was saying only the father knows that. So stop trying to figure it out. Jesus saying this, right? Not Dave. Come on. But let's get to the point here. Verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and ends of the earth. You will receive power, and it will be the, the, the purpose and the, the, the whole power thing 
is about being a witness of who Jesus is, telling people everywhere. So the power was given for the purpose of righteous living, which Jesus taught us in in, uh, John 14, 15, and 16. He was coming to convict the world of sin, convict of righteousness, which means a godly life is possible now, and coming judgment in God that you are going to stand and give account to your life. He said the Holy Spirit's going to reveal truth to you. He's going to glorify me. He's going to tell you about me, and he's going to reveal that truth of who I am. He's going to tell you about the future, stuff that's going on. He is. Jesus said all this stuff. And so now when we look at this and we say, wait a minute, how is it that we have jacked this up so much in the church? Pastors, teachers, those that are supposed to be intellectual learners, teachers of theology and understanding the word of God and and are called to send forth the message of what God is saying to us as a church and as the body of Christ. And we've got this thing so jacked up that we have like reversed almost everything about what God says to us about the work of the Spirit, the function of the church, the way the church is to act, live, and conduct itself, and what we're supposed to be doing outside its walls. We, I mean, it's like, how did this happen? How did we get so far from what the Scriptures teach us that's in black and white that now you don't need me to tell you, you can read it for yourself. It says it right there in our language. Come on, church. So the main focus and the purpose is all about proclaiming Christ, letting people know he's the Savior and seeing them receive that truth for themselves. So now we're going to go back to Peter and John for a minute. We've gone back to chapter 1. Now we're jumping forward again, back into Acts chapter 4. And um, so they've been put in prison because of the miracle of the healing of the guy and all that stuff. They're brought out the next morning to give account for what they were doing. And of course, Peter preaches Jesus to the council. It's awesome. Why not? So here you go, verse 13, chapter 4. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the Scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Not going to read another verse yet. Man, let that soak in. Oh, so you mean they understood Scriptures, yet they didn't have any formal education? They weren't part of the the seminary program or process? Nope. But the people that were, were standing there judging them, and they were proclaiming themselves. These guys know something they shouldn't know because they don't have that ability. What they were testifying to is the very thing Jesus promised the Holy Spirit would do when he came. That he would reveal the truth of Scripture to them. That he would guide them into all truth. And that he would release that in them and through them. Church, the world, the secular church, was proclaiming the absolute affirmation of the work of the Spirit in the common people. When you look at that, it's like, wow, come on. All right, then. Quit using your ignorance of God as an excuse for not talking about him. Church, I'm telling you. Everyone that's listening to me, stop using your ignorance of spiritual things for a reason not to talk about Jesus with people. He says right here, they were amazed at what? Boldness. Yep. And that they were ordinary, untrained, but they knew something. That's awesome, man. (laughs) All right. Do you know Jesus? Yes. You got something to talk about. You do. You don't have to learn scriptures. I mean, you should read them. Don't misunderstand me. But you don't have to have 
a, 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 a scriptural platform to talk to people about. They don't understand that language anyway. What they do understand is your life, the God you serve, and how you've changed. And when the Holy Spirit's active in your life, people will see it and they'll know it. Look at it. It's right there. This is the legal church testifying who are in opposition to this, saying it's real. Verse 14. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing right there among them, there was nothing the council could say. So they ordered Peter and John out of the council chamber and conferred among themselves. What should we do with these men? They asked each other, we can't deny that they have performed a miraculous sign and everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. But to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. Church, before we go any further, just think about this for a minute. This is the same Peter who 50-some days before, 50-some days, stood under the cover of darkness by a fire and had a little slave girl say, aren't you a follower of Jesus? And he said, no. Someone else said, I think you were with Jesus. And he swore and said, I don't know that man. Somebody else questioned him, and he said, no, three times he denied that he even knew Jesus. Under the cover of darkness, amongst a bunch of people that were nobodies. Now we find this guy, after being filled with the Holy Spirit, what did Jesus say? Oh, you're going to be filled with power to be my witness to everyone. Now we see Peter standing in front of the same council that crucified Jesus, the same ones that had put him in prison the night before, the same ones that could take his life right now by any means they wanted to. And he stands there in boldness and says, who do you think you are? I can't help but talk about Jesus, and I'm going to. Church, this is the purpose of the Holy Spirit, to give us boldness in Christ not about our own agendas, not about some kind of campaigns about super miraculous. It's so that people will know who Jesus is. And if the super miraculous happens, then all glory to God, let them know about Jesus. Man, we look at this and it's like, wow, hey, is this not a mirror of our culture today? We've been ordered not to talk about Jesus. Don't you dare. Anybody can talk about God because we don't have to pigeonhole him, whoever he is to you. We don't want to force our belief on you or make you uncomfortable in anything, so don't anybody say anything about Jesus, right? I mean, that's the way it is. And they'll tell you, you can get fired if you talk about Jesus. Okay, so I look right here, and it's like, where's our boldness, church? Where are we at? Why is it that we are so quick to, like, swallow Jesus, talk about everything else? In Acts 4, we continue reading, when they had been released, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they lifted up their voices to God with one accord. What did they do? When they were told, you can't talk about Jesus, what did the church do? They came together and prayed. Amen. They didn't stage a protest. They didn't demand the rights. They prayed. And as they prayed, the prayer is spelled out for you there in Acts chapter 4, but we're not reading it this morning. 
But the church came together and said, this is your word, God, and this is what's going on. And then we conclude the prayer in verse 29. And now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence. While you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Isn't that awesome? They said, Lord, give us confidence. We've heard them. We know their threats. Spent the night in jail already. I know what's there. God, give us the confidence to do it anyway. And God, you keep extending your hand. Let things happen, miraculous things happen, so that people will know who Jesus is. Oh, so good. When they prayed, the place where they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. Oh, that's what Jesus said. Oh, that's what Jesus said. You're going to be filled with power. And you're going to be my witness. What we have here happening in the midst of this assembly of the body is now the second time we find something very significant. In Acts 2, the first time the Holy Spirit fell upon them and filled them, and they went out and preached Jesus, right? Now they've gone through some stuff. The church has grown. A lot of things are happening, and now they come back together. And it's like one of those moments where, okay, God, you know, things are happening. It's getting crazy, and now what? We're here. This is what we're going to do. We're committed to you. And God shows up. Isn't that awesome? It's one of those moments, man. Yeah. One of those kingdom on earth times where the spirit of God falls, shakes the very room they're in, and they're like, yeah, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for those moments that we can have that with God. Those moments where our faith is just like blessed and God is there. And it gives us that strength for when we go back out and face all that other stuff. Thank you, Lord. When you go through the book of Acts, you're going to find this to be the theme if you were just to continue to read just through the book of Acts. And if you're watching what the Holy Spirit is doing, watching what the believers are doing, and you're going to see that in every circumstance, miracles happening, demons are being cast out of people. There's people that are dead that come back to life. Dreams and vision are taking place. So are prisons. So are beatings. So are the destruction of homes the disruption of churches. Uh, all these things are taking place, church, all. But what you will find throughout it all is that every circumstance and every situation, Jesus Christ is lifted up. He's proclaimed by those that are following him no matter what is happening to them. No matter what. And the word of God is spreading. It is the call and the purpose of every believer to tell people about Jesus. That's our call. That's yours and mine. What has he done for you? What has he done for you, church? I mean, what has Jesus done for you? What do you share about him with other people? Man, stop trying to be a theologian. That stuff messes you up. Just tell people about Jesus and what he's done for you. That will change their life. We don't need to get into spiritual debates. We don't need to get into to what translation of the Bible stop all the garbage can you tell people about what Jesus has done for you and what he can do for them yes. that's getting down to the very basics of the gospel and what the word of God is calling us to do look a move of God is happening it's happening right there in Acts and we watch it growing and the church is just expanding but what is happening is that the church is growing outside of the one week assembly it's happening 
house to house, neighbor to neighbor, friend to friend. And everybody's talking about Jesus and they're having this thing. And so the church is expanding and the move of God is happening. Everybody knows it. Everybody knows it. And in Acts chapter 5, it reads this incredible, cool, awesome stuff right here in verse number 12. The apostles were performing many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. Who is doing it? The apostles. Please hear me correctly. We're looking at what the word of God says. We're not interpreting things. We're not trying to look for anything else. But I want you to see that the only one that were doing the miraculous signs and wonders were the apostles. Hmm. That's interesting. Everybody had the same spirit, right? What did they pray? Lord, let your miraculous powers be seen and manifested in your apostles. Why? So that Jesus could be lifted up, right? Okay, that's not about them. It's not, it never was, never is. And so what we're looking at, it's like, okay, Lord, why was it that this is the way this was, and what are you doing? Because the Spirit of God is on the move, and things are happening. Listen to what it says next. And all the believers were meeting regularly at the temple in the area known as Solomon's Colonnade. So get the picture in your mind. We're in the thousands and thousands of people coming together. Do you not know that everybody was talking about what was going on? They had a place where they met by Solomon's Colonnade. They know, hey, all of you that are part of the church, this is where we're going to meet. Come on over. Everybody gets together, and everybody in the city is talking about it because we're talking about a mass movement of somewhere around 15,000-plus people are now navigating through the city to go to church. <laughs> Pretty cool stuff. But no one else dared to join them, even though all the people had high regard for them. Yet more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord, crowds of men and women. Oh, wait a minute. The oppression of the church had begun. The persecution of believers was started. And it was not okay to be a believer. Those that had already been following continued to meet there, but some of them were like, you know, I don't know if I want to be seen with that crowd. It's what it's telling us. But I know it's true. And so they began an underground network of reaching new people to know Jesus. And it says that there were crowds that were coming to know Christ. Not one or two. It's like groups of men and women both that are getting saved, coming to know Christ as their Savior, and being part of the move of God that is happening that would sweep the globe that we're a part of. As a result of the apostles' work, Sick people were brought out into the streets on beds and mats so that Peter's shadow might fall across some of them as he went by. Crowds came from the villages around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those possessed by evil spirits, and they were all healed. The high priests and the officials who were Sadducees were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in public jail. But an angel of the Lord came at night opened the gates of the jail and brought them out and he told them, go to the temple and give the people this message of life. You know, the enemy's all about shutting up the message of Christ. The Holy Spirit's all about releasing the message of Christ. There's a war that is happening to stop that from happening. Okay? So here they are. <laughs> it's so cool. They're arrested, put in jail. In the morning, those guys all get up that arrested him, and they get a message, comes and tells them, like, those guys you arrested are down there preaching again. What? <laughs> Let's go get them. 
So they go and arrest him a second time. What are they doing when they get there? They're teaching Jesus, of course. Why? Because the messenger said, hey, give the people the message of life. This is what life is all about. Go give it to them. All right, so they, they arrest them again. Verse number 40, they called in the apostles and had them flogged. They beat them. Public humiliation, and they whooped them with a whip. This is one of their cultural things they did, and they beat them. Then they ordered them never again to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. And every day in the temple and from what? House to house. They continued to teach and preach this message. Jesus is the Messiah. Amen. God's on the move. God's doing something. There's opposition to it. You might have to go through stuff. Sometimes that stuff might hurt you. It may cost you. As we travel through the book of Acts, we find people lost homes and businesses, were driven out of cities. They were torn apart. Their families were in prison. Some of them were put to death. But everything that happened, they always proclaimed Jesus in the midst of it all. And I look and I'm like, God, what has happened to the church? <laughs> See, we need to understand, church, we have to look at this and say that the Holy Spirit has come to redeem us, to make us righteous and allow us to live a righteous life for God. Tell people about the Savior that we know. And uh, we've lost that. Statistics in our country tell us that hardly any Christians even share their faith. And it's even a greater percentage. And I'm not going to throw numbers at you. I don't care about that stuff. I'm just telling you, we have a problem in the United States. We don't even talk about Jesus with people. And we have, by and large, the vast majority of Christians have never prayed with someone else that they would receive Christ. And yet I see it in Scripture saying, this is what it's all about. And they were going from house to house. That wasn't the apostles. That was the believers. That was everybody talking about Jesus and people were getting saved. Hmm. So everything else that the Holy Spirit does, like the miracles, the dreams, the visions, the power, all those things that are happening are, are God and they happen. But it's not about that. And when you see it in the book of Acts, like I said, it's nothing more. And I don't mean that wrong when I say nothing more. It's nothing more than a vehicle for Christ to be lifted up. Okay. So church, it's the primary call for you and I. And so you know that um, we shared a vision, a goal with you guys. Of And I had a rock and I wrote on there, each one, reach one, and teach one for this year. And um, it's fulfilling the Great Commission, Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations, Acts 1.8. Uh, you're going to receive power and be a witness to me. It's like actually taking on the context of God's word, the challenge to be a Christian and actually doing it, right? So when I... Back in October, the first time I felt like God was saying something about this to me, I was really kind of embarrassed. I'm being honest with you. I was embarrassed. Like, Lord, you know, to say, like, if we could just reach one, and we're talking about 12 months of the year, and the Holy Spirit is pursuing these people that are all around us. Um, I don't mean this wrong. I, I hope you understand what I mean. There was this wrestling inside of me, like, God, that's like, that's almost embarrassing to say, help us to reach one person in a year. When I look at the power of the Holy Spirit and what he was doing in the face of such adversity, 
when people were losing their homes, driven from their cities, imprisoned, losing their lives, and the church was just like exploding because people were talking about Jesus even knowing it was going to cost them. And here we are today, like in the church of Jesus Christ in the United States, and we're, we're more interested in what's happening in the economy than what's happening in the spiritual world around us. We are. Let's be honest. We're, we're focused on so many things other than the redemption of lost people, and some of our very own family members are going to hell. Church, come on. And, and we have the message of life, and we're supposed to have this inside of us to share with others. And so then you hear all these statistics that come across the board that talk about how the church in America is dying and how many churches are closing and how many pastors are leaving the ministry. And, and I can tell you, I could bring you tons of statistics, throw them across the screen. And, you know, I mean, I've want, I went through all this stuff. And just let me just throw that aside for a second and say this. The reason why the mainline denomination churches are dying is because they stopped lifting up Jesus. And God will never bless a church that is not about Jesus. And the power of that mechanism called the church is on decline because people want truth and people know what truth is and people are seeking truth. Church, the door is wide open for us. There is like the United States is ready for a move of God. We are ready. We need a move of God. And, and so I'm not worried about the, the naysayers and the, yep, let those churches die. If they're not talking about Jesus, they need to die. They're an abomination to God anyway. All right, that's not naming a church. I'm saying if a church is not preaching Jesus, they are an abomination to God. I don't care who they are. That's the word of God. Sorry, but that's truth. Now then, as I look at that then, I'm going to come back to who we are. We are part of a group. A lot of people don't even know we are, don't care if we are, don't even care about the name, not even going to tell you the name. If you don't know who we're part of, I don't care. It's not about that. But we're part of a group of over 60 churches in the Pacific Southwest District, we call it, Southern California, here in Arizona, okay? In that group, we yearly have meetings. That's why you voted on me today, because they require these kinds of things to happen, and I'm totally good with having a structure around me. Totally good. God asked me to pastor here. This is where we are, just so you know. So here we are having a vote because, you know, we're supposed to do these certain things. And we come back together every July as all the churches send representatives and we have uh, political spiritual meetings, right? That's what they are. And in these political spiritual meetings, like uh, I've yet to see God break out, by the way, but we'll talk, not talk about that right now. Uh, I'm just saying I go there as a duty and as a respect to what God's asked me to do, and I should. So when we're there, churches are giving report of what God's doing in the churches. So I'm sharing this as a detriment, not as a, anything good at all. Last year, out of the 60-some churches of the Pacific Southwest District that we're a part of, 20% of them did not see one person come to know Jesus Christ as a Savior through the ministries of that church. Zero. Okay, that's jacked up. There's something seriously wrong. Something has to happen, people. We either need to lock the doors on that church and say, get out of here, you don't, you're not doing it. 
You need to go find some place that you can or do something. We need God to move. We need his people to get in line with his spirit and become obedient to what he's asking. And when a mm, building called a church, meeting in the name of Jesus, preaching from the same Bible as we are, proclaiming the same Savior that we are, calling people to live a life that, I mean, that God is. It's not just that we are. I'm saying it's what the Bible says, man. Come on. And you're telling me that you can't even say that somebody's life was changed as a result of 12 months of whatever you've been doing? Then something is seriously wrong. And now if we look at the church across the United States of America and we say, church, we are in desperate need of an awakening in the church. My heart is burdened for the church. It's not burdened for the lost world because until the church can get the fire of God back in their soul and know the call of the Holy Spirit, there is no hope for the, for the world because we are their hope. And church, we've got to get it. And it's like, what in the world is going on? What are we doing? What's happening as we get together and talk about Jesus? If it's, if it's just me and you talking about Jesus, then stop doing it. You hear me? If it's not changing your life and that's impacting someone else's life, then you're not doing it right. Because every place I read in the Bible where people are talking about Jesus and they're having an impact by the Spirit of God in their life, other people are being touched and those are people that don't know Him yet. So people can get saved in church, but they should be getting saved at homes. People should be getting saved at work. People should be saved at the park and in the street. People should be getting saved in the public schools. In the court systems, in the jailhouses, people should be getting saved in the homeless communities. Look, the Spirit of God is on the move, and He is calling the lost people to the Savior, Jesus. Church, He's doing it through us, and we're sucking at it. And that's got to change. Look, I'm not condemning you. I'm condemning us as a body of believers who call ourselves Jesus followers. All right, please hear that. All right, what I'm saying is there needs to be a move of God that is happening. The Spirit of God is calling. Jesus died. He gave us the power. So what's missing? Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Do you know Him? Church, if you know Him as your Savior, what you are saying is, I know that Jesus Christ is the Savior. He is God. He came. He died on the cross for my sins. He arose from the grave and He's coming again. That Savior Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to empower me that I could live a righteous life, that I could live for the glory of God, and that I could share Christ with others. When you say you're saved, that's what you're saying, the Bible says, right? That was less of a yes than the first one. All right, do you understand that's what the Bible says a saved person is? All right, then are you saved? Then let's do something about it. What circumstances are you facing that can create an opportunity for you to tell others about Jesus? Hey, whatever you're going through. Look, we were looking in the Bible from, from everything being good and everybody sharing everything and having an awesome time to prison to all that everything no matter what circumstances there was always a platform to talk about jesus so whatever you are going through right now whatever it is it is a platform to tell others about jesus so why don't we do that when's the last time you spoke boldly to someone about jesus when did that happen for you 
When did you do that? Let's ask God to help us to actually live the gospel and see God do something significant through our lives for his glory. Today, I guarantee you today, before you go to bed tonight, you're going to have an opportunity to somehow share Jesus with someone. Let's do it. Why not? I mean, you can't save them. Only God can. But you can absolutely proclaim Christ to them. Don't be offensive. Don't just go yelling at people. Look, let the Spirit of God guide you and do it when He opens the door. Okay, seriously. I mean, let the Spirit of God show you and He will show you and then step in. Look, in reality, there's, this could happen. This could happen. Next Sunday, if God would spare our lives and we come together, we would not have enough seats for people in any of our three services. Amen. Seriously, and it's not about that. I want you to get this. I want you to see, like, it's about God redeeming souls. And so if, if we were out there doing that and we impacted their lives, they're going to want to know where you worship because they want to worship the same God that you introduced them to. And they would come with you and we'd be overflowing at the seams and that would be an amazing problem to have. Like when Hal's standing over here in his security vest trying to count y'all and he's like, forget it, I don't know. He's just going to go back there to the sheet and say, there was a lot of people at church today. <laughs> I mean, that's what it's all about, right? God's on the move. It's obvious. Who cares? We don't need those numbers. We want to know what God's doing. All right, so please, don't let the enemy twist that in your head and say, oh, he wants a big church. No, I don't. I want a big heaven with a lot of people. And I want to see God move in Tucson. And I want to see him changing lives and lives to be transformed and miracles to happen. And I'm telling you, as I've prayed through this week and looking at this, I do believe that we don't see as many miracles as we should because we don't bring it back to Christ in the whole process. And I think once the church gets that whole idea in their heart and revelation of this is all about Jesus, I believe we're going to see more miracles happen too. I do. But that's the reason it's going to happen, and that's the only way it can happen, and that's the way it's got to stay. Amen. Amen? Amen? All right. If you don't know Jesus, today needs to be your day, and you need to get saved in church. Amen. Right here at this altar. You need to say yes to Christ. So if you don't know him and the Spirit of God's calling you, that's that little funny feeling you're feeling, that sweaty palms, the one that makes you want to feel like you want to get out of here, but at the same time you want to come forward, that's the Spirit of God. And he's calling you. And he's saying, come to me. It's not that you're coming to Dave. You're not coming to this church. You're coming to the creator of the universe. And he's telling you, I love you. And I have something way better for your life than what you're dealing with. So if you don't know him, please come forward and get to know him today. I would love the opportunity and privilege to introduce him to you. He's my friend and I love him. And he loves me. And he loves you. And he wants to know you personally. Church, if you are saved and you have not been bold in your faith, and you've been swallowing Jesus for way too long, would you just repent of that today? And would you ask the Holy Spirit to rebaptize you and fill you with the power to be the witness that God has called you to be? Would you do that? Let's stand together. The altar's open. Jesus is calling. He loves you. If you want to respond to Him in any capacity, come and do it. Come and do it. And if you're good to go, then we're good to go. But if you need him, and if you need another touch or whatever he's saying to you, just be obedient. The Spirit of God and you know exactly what he's asking. So the altar's open. Anybody want to come forward? Amen. Thank you.
That's him calling. We're just obedient to the Spirit. And you know exactly why you're walking up here. I have no idea. Only God knows. Can mute these platform mics for me there, buddy, would you? Only God knows why we're coming, right? It's all that matters. He is calling. We're responding. The Spirit of God's drawing. We come to Him. And as we do, the Spirit of God reveals His truth to us, and we say yes. So if you come forward this morning, and you're here kneeling before the Creator, and you already know what He's talking to you about, just say yes to Him. Just say yes to Him. In every way. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, God. You're amazing. As we leave the building today, God, we don't want to leave church. We don't want to leave your presence. We want to walk with you. You leading the way, empowered, emboldened to be the witness you called us to be. There will be opportunities this week in houses, in businesses, in public arenas where there is someone that needs to know who you are. Give us the boldness, the discernment, and the understanding of when, where, and how. Lord, we trust you. God, we're asking you to move among us. Save Tucson. Lord, breathe on us, we pray. praying that God would break up the gangs because of the power of God that it would break the oppression of the drugs alcohol, the things of abuse and addictions that are robbing and raping and pillaging our entire community of people around us God we're asking you to move oh God move only you God only you can do it Lord if you see fit to perform miracles we proclaim to you today before all people it is only because of Jesus and it will be all for the glory of Jesus and God we would ask you today that you would perform miracles for your glory that people would be healed and transformed that the demons would flee from people and God that people would hear about it and come to find out what you are doing that we might introduce them to the wonderful Savior that we have met. God, we ask that you would do this for your glory and for your kingdom. In the name of our Savior Jesus, we pray. Amen, church. Amen. Amen, God. Let it be done, God, for your glory. Thank you for what you're doing, God. Thank you, God, in the lives of everyone. God bless you, church. Thank you so much.